The more information that comes out about the Texas elementary school shooting, the worse the story gets. I had generally refrained on this show from commenting on the reports that Uvalde cops waited outside and even prevented other people from going in while the shooter was inside wreaking havoc. I wanted to wait until more information came out and was confirmed. Now that information seems to have been confirmed by the Texas Department of Public Safety. Hey, from the, from the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision. It was a wrong decision, period. There's no, no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe there should have been a, an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. You don't worry about matter primers. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead, period. There you have it. Of course, it was the wrong decision. People are calling the response at Uvalde incompetent, cowardly, unconscionable. People want heads to roll. People want the department defunded in some cases. They want whoever gave the stand down order to get dragged before a judge and put on an orange jumpsuit. I get it, but that does not concern me. That is not my call or your call for that matter. That is for the people of Uvalde to decide what does concern us. What concerns all of us is the central lesson of this horrible ordeal. Namely, that we cannot rely on the cops to protect us. We cannot rely on the politicians to protect us. We have a right and an obligation to protect ourselves and our children. And as cynical political activists try to exploit this tragedy to push their long-standing political agenda, more than ever, we need to defend those rights. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Hope everyone had a good Memorial Day weekend. My favorite comment Friday is from Nakam or Lockham, who says, my son was born at 28 weeks. The current heavyweight boxing champion, Tyson Fury, was also born at 28 weeks. That really does put things into perspective. This is how the advance of modern medical science has really helped the pro-life argument is people used to say, oh, well, who knows? Who knows what's inside a woman's womb? It's the mystery of life. Well, we have sonograms. Now we know it's a baby. It looks like a baby, moves around like a baby, is a baby, genetically a baby, has all the characteristics of life. Well, but the baby cannot live until when? Until sooner and sooner and sooner and sooner. Now a baby can live in some cases at 20 weeks or 21 weeks, certainly by 28 weeks. And so the arguments for abortion just absolutely fly out the window. I do not understand how you can possibly hear about the police response to the Uvalde shooting and defend weakening the Second Amendment. I know that this has been the political response, certainly from the left and among some squishes too, is to say, well, because of this horrific shooting and the extremely botched response to it, we need to give up our guns. That seems like the opposite of what you would conclude. If you, the reason to give up your guns, the reason to surrender the second amendment is, well, the cops will take care of it. You don't need to be armed because 
we pay our taxes and the state provides us people who are going to protect us if we're ever in jeopardy, if we're ever in, in any risk. But they won't. In some cases they will, in some cases they won't. You can't rely on that. That's the point. Ironically, this, this whole botched response is proving what, what many of us already knew. Namely, you have a right and an obligation that is totally natural to self-defense. You see, you see this from the shooting up in Buffalo. Do you remember the shooting in Buffalo not that long ago, just a few weeks ago? This lunatic who was, says he was radicalized on the internet during COVID and his political views were a little bit unclear. He said he was on the authoritarian left, but he, he said he had moved further right and he used to be a communist and then he was kind of right wing and then he was left wing again. And it was all, it was all part of this ideological transformation on the internet. Now there are news reports that this guy may have had contact with a retired federal agent on the internet. How long was that contact? What did that contact with the federal agent have to do with his radicalization? What did that federal agent know and when did he know it? There were reports coming out that this federal agent had advance notice of the shooting. Authorities are investigating whether or not he had a warning and who knows how long that war, maybe it was half an hour, it might have been longer than that. This is raising a lot of questions. What was the role of that federal agent? People have raised questions before about the Fed's role in some of these attacks. You remember the, the plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. We were told that this was a radical white supremacist far-right group that was plotting to kidnap the Democrat governor of Michigan. Then we found out Actually, federal agents were involved in that. Actually, federal agents were entrapping people in that. And some of the guys got off the hook because of it. So, so the question is, what was the, I'm not saying that the retired federal agent here was enticing this guy to commit the shooting or was entrapping him or, or doing anything like that. I guess it's possible there will be an investigation here. But, but there are three options as to what this federal agent was doing. The federal agent was either encouraging him, entrapping him, inciting him, or the federal agent was trying to do something like that and was just completely incompetent, or the federal agent was a neo-Nazi and actually agreed with the guy. Those are the only three options as far as I can tell. What else could this guy have been doing interacting with this killer? Why else would this guy have gotten advance notice about the shooting? If he was not involved in some way, if there were not some operation going on here to, to investigate and entrap white supremacists, or the, the agent just had no idea what he was doing, or the agent was on the guy's team. In any of those cases, you need to protect yourself. None of those possible scenarios look very good for the federal agent or for law enforcement. If these reports are true, we don't know if they're true yet, there will be an investigation. All that does is add more evidence to the, to the argument that you need to be able to protect yourself. All around, you've got law and order crumbling in the country. 
and the justice system isn't doing anything about it. There was a video went viral over the weekend of thieves in Los Angeles. They break into Sephora, the makeup store, and these guys, just by the looks of them, it's hard to tell because they're wearing hoodies and they're trying to cover up their identities, but just by the looks of them, I don't think that they're uh, all, all that interested in putting makeup on themselves. They have big black trash bags, and they're just emptying out store shelves with no consequences. This is what, about three of these guys. Oh my God. And they're just being filmed too. I love these bystanders. They're, they're not stopping them. There's no guard coming out and stopping them. They're just filming. I guess it's good that they're filming. We can at least, at least see what's going on. And these dudes have no fear in the world. No one's gonna come stop them. See ya. There you go, all right, they got it. Just walking right out. They're not even, they're not even running out. They're walking out. That's how little fear they have of law enforcement. And it's not even the cops' fault in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, it's because the George Soros-backed district attorney has said that he's not going to prosecute these guys. So there's no surprise there. If you've got a radical leftist DA encouraging this kind of crime, then that's the kind of crime you're going to get. And even if the cops wanted to do something, they wouldn't be able to because the political superiors won't let them. If you are in Los Angeles, if I, like I was, I lived in Los Angeles a long time, I would not feel safe relying on the cops to protect me and my family and my rights and my property or anything else. And what's tough in Los Angeles is it's very hard to get a concealed carry permit. It's basically impossible to get a concealed carry permit. So what would you do? Well, you could either move out to one of the counties around it where it's easier to get a gun and protect yourself, or you move out of the state entirely, which is what we did. It's not just Los Angeles. Look at what's going on in New York. In New York, subway attacks have always occurred. They are becoming more commonplace and they, they are becoming more brazen. See this crazy guy running around yelling. I think it's a guy. He's dressed up in women's clothing, but he looks like a guy. Sits down next to these women. They start to get up and, oh, there he goes. This, this woman sitting next to him tries to get up. He grabs her by the back of the hair, pulls her back down. She looks terrified, as of course she should be. She's saying, help me. She's kind of mouthing this to other people. She's remaining pretty calm, though. And no one's doing a damn thing. No one's lifting a finger. The guy's just sitting there, holding her down. There's someone filming her. I bet the guy filming her puts the camera down and goes and helps her. Nope, not doing that. Not in social media age. Finally, the guy gets up. Get up! Yells at the woman, get up. And lets her go. I think he's wearing women's clothing. Yeah, it's definitely a dude, though. Wearing women's clothing and women's pants. What has happened in this country where everyone on that subway is just going to sit by and let bad people do whatever they want to helpless women who are saying, please help me, help me. Nobody does anything because we are in a, a, a state right now in this country where no one feels the, the urgency or the ability to protect ourselves. We're all going to let somebody else handle it for us. I got news for you folks. The, the cavalry's not coming in, okay? You can't rely on other people to protect yourself. You've got to begin to, to relearn how to do it yourself. Speaking of protecting you and your family, you got to get a will. Okay, go check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. This is such an important thing to do. It will not take very long, but it could seriously affect not just the rest of your life, but your family's life as well. 
If you're listening to this show, you probably have pretty strong beliefs, okay? And you want those beliefs to matter in the way that your life goes and the way that your kid's life goes. Well, do you have a will? Simple question, do you have a will? If not, then there is no reason to believe that your children would, would be raised in accordance with your beliefs if, God forbid, something happens to you. If you don't have a will, there's no reason to believe that important medical decisions that will be made, for instance, coming from your advanced directive, your medical power of attorney, would be made in accordance with your wishes. Then you put that burden on your family and friends. Don't do that. Do the responsible thing. Get a will. I just finished off my will a couple of weeks ago. We are so excited to be partnering with Epic Will. They are protecting the Daily Wire. Let them protect you and your family and friends as well. EpicWill.com, promo code Knowles. That is how easy it is. Secure your future in as little as five minutes with a complete will package starting at 119 bucks. When you use promo code Knowles, save 10%, epicwill.com, the most important five minutes you will spend today. This video from the New York City subway really, really bothered me. Because if I'm a New Yorker, if you've lived in New York any period of time, you have had run-ins with crazy, wild, homeless people. And Sometimes if they're just ranting and raving and doing their own thing, you just leave them be. That's New York. <laughs> not, not surprising to see people on the subway just staring ahead, minding their own business, reading the ads on the side. But if the homeless guy is getting, I assume this guy's homeless, is getting up there, getting very aggressive, especially with women, you would hope people would intervene. Most people I know in New York who have had run-ins with homeless people like this have intervened in some way, either talking to him, either kind of holding him down a little bit, getting in between him and the people he's going after. I, this would not have been uncommon even in recent years. Something has broken in our society where you can see a guy abusing this woman, holding her hostage basically, and you just say, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to film this. Oh, I know. This is going to be really great on TikTok. She's saying, help me, help me. Because we're all waiting for someone else to do something. And so we are led like sheep to the freaking slaughter. If you're always waiting for someone else to protect you, if you're always waiting for someone else to do the right thing, guess what's going to happen? Nobody's going to do the right thing. If you live in a society that, that says courage is awful, men protecting women, that's toxic masculinity. If you, if you ever tell a homeless person no, if you ever some a street criminal, gosh, you might be called a, a racist. The guy who is attacking her is black. You don't want to be called a racist, do you? You don't better just to sit down and mind your own business. Well, if you live in that society, then, then the, the cruel and the bad guys are going to run amok. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's being encouraged by the so-called justice system, which says, hey, even if the cops do show up to the scene, we're going to let these guys off the hook. The, the way politics works, the way that the law works, is that when, <laughs> this seems so basic, but we've forgotten it in our, in our country. If you incentivize something, you get more of it. We've, we've convinced ourselves with a lot of kooky theories that somehow if you, if you tolerate all sorts of terrible things, somehow maybe you'll get less of it. Well, all we really need to do, we need to uh, stop arresting the criminals and then we'll get less crime. You see, the, real, the root cause of crime is cops arresting criminals because there it's so unjust and prison is really, when you put the criminals in prison, you get more crime actually on, and how, I don't know how. When you, you know what we need to do to stop the drug problem? We need to legalize all the drugs. And then when you legalize all the drugs and have people doing all the drugs, then you get less drug use. That's, people seriously make this argument. 
on the left, certainly, but also on the right. Usually more on the libertarian right. They'll say, oh, the, the whole reason we have a drug problem is because we arrest people for doing drugs. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's because we have an over-incarceration. No, we have an under-incarceration problem. When you have crime going through the roof, when you have drug use and drug dealing going through the roof, for that matter, you, you have an under-incarceration problem, an under-policing problem. There was an ad, talk about the New York subway. Ad shows up on the New York subway, and it's of a woman, a, a, a POC woman, you know, the most politically correct kind of archetype you can imagine. And it says, don't be ashamed you are using, be empowered that you are using safely. Using what? What does she mean using? She's talking about using drugs. What is fentanyl? That's what it says right underneath the woman. Fentanyl is a powerful opioid that can be found in heroin, cocaine, crack, methamphetamine, ketamine, and pressed pills. Why is it dangerous? Fentanyl increases the risk of overdose, especially among people who do not regularly use opioids. Okay, I agree with the first two panels. What's that third panel say? Prevent overdose. Avoid using alone and take turns. Start with a small dose and go slowly. Have naloxone on hand. I think that's to, to mitigate the risk of overdose. Avoid mixing drugs. Test your drugs using fentanyl test strips. Let's keep it. Don't be ashamed that you're using drugs. Don't avoid you. They could have stopped that third panel after the second word. Avoid using. Don't do drugs. Just say no. Remember that? No, we don't say that anymore. Now we say just when you, when you do use fentanyl and when you do shoot up heroin, do it a little more slowly, okay? And, and whatever you do, don't be ashamed that you're a heroin addict. That, that's the worst thing in the world. Don't feel any shame. Be proud, actually. Be proud that you're taking heroin a little bit more slowly and using all of the sometimes city-subsidized tools to shoot up. Does, does, that, does this seem like the kind of public service announcement that is going to reduce drug use? I don't think so. Reagan used to have this line. He said, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so many things that are not so. Nowhere is this truer than in the war on drugs. We are told, we are told that this is the gospel truth that the war on drugs failed. The war on drugs failed. It didn't work. The policy of the United States from the 1970s through 1990s was a total failure. And so we got to get rid of that. And we got to try some new tack on drug use and stop criminalizing it and stop arresting people for it. And just actually give them the tools that they need to shoot up drugs in a different way. None of that is true. The war on drugs worked. I know nobody says it anymore. Even on the right, people don't say it, but it's true. If you look at illicit drug use from the 1970s to the 1990s, it dropped dramatically. Many fewer people were using illegal drugs from the starting from the 1970s down through the 1990s. And then we started to reverse some of those policies and drug use is back up now to an all-time high. Now, sure, you can tweak different programs. You can tweak different policies along the way. But the problem, the problem with the war on drugs was not that there were too many restrictions. The problem with the war on drugs is not that there was too much shame. Don't be ashamed. You're, don't be ashamed that you're a crackhead, especially in the era of Hunter Biden. I can see why the government is pushing this stuff. Don't be ashamed you're a crackhead. Just, you know, 
just smoke crack out of this pipe that we're giving you, we in the government. No, that's an insane idea. You should be ashamed. Shame is a powerful tool. Shame can, is a, your friend. Welcome shame when you are doing shameful things. That is your conscience telling you to stop doing what you're doing. It's like when you're, when you're a little kid and you put your hand on the hot burner on the stove and you say, ow, my hand hurts. Those little nerves in your fingers that make you pull your hand away, those, those help you. The pain that you feel, that helps you because it tells you avoid doing this in the future. That's what shame does for your soul. That's what guilt does. <laughs> okay, you say, ah, ooh, mm, my soul doesn't feel very good when I shot up that heroin. Good, cultivate that. Use that and allow that to turn you away from what you are doing. But we live in an upside down society now that has no, that has completely lost that sense of what's right and wrong and good and bad. Total disorder. This is what, this is what our society has led to. It has led Joe Biden perhaps to make a little Freudian slip over the weekend when he said that democracy has never been good. Ladies and gentlemen, today we remember and we reaffirm freedom is worth the sacrifice. Democracy is not perfect. It's never been good, perfect, but it's worth fighting for. It's never been good, perfect. A Freudian slip, of course, is where you say one thing but you mean your mother. And that would be, appear to be what Joe Biden has engaged in over the weekend. And now, of course, Joe Biden has no respect for democracy. The Democrats generally are far less democratic than the Republicans. That's why the Democrats want to take a lot of decisions away from the people, decisions over the definition of marriage, decisions over abortion, whether or not you can kill your baby, decisions over all sorts of issues. They want to take that away from the people and take it away from the people's representatives and put it into the bureaucrats' hands or put it into transnational institutions or put it into unaccountable woke corporations, actually. A lot of our speech policy now is no longer made in the properly political sphere. It's made by the corporations. It's made by big tech. So they're very anti-democratic in that way. But Biden actually makes something of a point here when he says democracy has never been good. Democracy is not concerned. It's not focused primarily on what's good. That's what aristocracy is about. There are th just a really basic overview. There are three main forms of government, monarchy, aristocracy, and democracy. They have their, that's the perfectly fine version of those governments. Then there's a bad version. The bad version of monarchy is tyranny. The bad version of aristocracy is oligarchy. The bad version of democracy is mob rule. Democracy is concerned with what the people want, and aristocracy is in theory, concerned with what is best. That's what the word aristo means. So it's true. Democracy is not primarily concerned with what is good. And, it's, and it's, this is why the founding fathers severely limited democracy and put a lot of guardrails on democracy. Part of our government is democratic. Part of our government is not so democratic. There are lots of elements of aristocracy in our government. There are lots of guardrails. The, the Judiciary is not particularly democratic. When the country was founded, the, the Senate was not particularly democratic. Today, the bureaucracy is not particularly democratic. There are all sorts of guardrails on democracy here because the founding fathers knew that there were certain rights and obligations that transcend any form of government and transcend the will of the people, one of which is, to take us right back to the top of the show today, the natural right and obligation to protect yourself, whether the people want you to have that right or not. You know, the world is changing very fast. Everything we thought that we already knew is being called into question, including the question of our age. What is a woman? Thankfully, we are about to get to the bottom of that question tomorrow, June 1st, 
when Matt Walsh's new Daily Wire original documentary, What is a Woman, premieres live on Backstage at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you are not a Daily Wire member, you got to head on over to whatisawoman.com. Subscribe today because you will not want to miss this night. I'll be there. Ben will be there. Drew, the man himself, Matt Walsh, and the God King, Jeremy Boring. You have never seen a backstage like this. For a year, Matt traveled the world. He went all over the world asking gender theory experts a simple question. What is a woman? Check out the trailer. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? (laughs) Well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all their problems will be solved if they become a man. There are masculine girls. There are feminine boys. What are we going to do about that? Carve them up? I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? (laughs) They say no. Never. He flew to Africa. The man flew to Africa to to ask a tribe this question. This fight is for truth itself. Help us to expose the madness. Help us to reveal some truth by becoming a Daily Wire member by going to whatisawoman.com. Join us for the premiere tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern on Backstage. You will not want to miss this evening. We will be right back with a lot more. Joe Biden's claim over the weekend that democracy has never been good, <laughs> revealing his, his uh, deepest thoughts, uh, that was not the only gaffe he's made in recent days. Joe Biden was just giving a commencement address at the University of Delaware, his alma mater, in which he claimed that the right, the conservatives, the Trump supporters, the January Sixers killed two police officers at the Capitol. A mob of insurrectionists storm the Capitol, very citadel democracy. Imagine what you'd be thinking today if you had heard this morning before you got here that a group of a thousand people broke down the doors of the Parliament of Great Britain, killed two police officers, smashed and ransacked the office of members of the British Parliament or any other. What would you think? What would you think? What would you think? Uh, Joe Biden is too old to put on the disingenuous emotional voice. He was much better at it when he was younger, but he's still trying. And this this was not off the cuff. This was a very carefully written speech. And you can know how carefully written this speech was because he doesn't exactly claim that the January 6th, the worst day in American history, January 6th. He doesn't exactly claim that they killed two police officers. He insinuates it. He heavily implies it, but he doesn't say it. What he says is, a mob of insurrectionists stormed the Capitol, the very citadel of democracy, even though the doors were open for them by the cops at various entryways. Okay, never mind. Well, let that go. 
A, a mob of insurrectionists stormed the Capitol, the very citadel of democracy. Imagine what you'd be thinking today if you had heard this morning that a group of a thousand people stormed the doors of parliament in Great Britain, killed two police officers, smashed and ransacked the offices of the parliament. He's putting it in a hypothetical. Because he knows that if he says, the January 6th violent, terrible insurrectionist terrorists, they killed two police officers, that would be a flat out lie. We know that did not happen. At the Capitol, the mob did not kill any police officers. Initially, we were told that they killed one police officer, Brian Sicknick, but they didn't. He died after January 6th, not, not even the same day, a day or two later, and he died of natural causes. That's what the medical examiner ruled. Then later, two cops who were present on January 6th at the, at the Capitol killed themselves, which is really weird in and of itself. Probably there should be some investigation into that if there hasn't been already. But, but whatever the investigation would conclude, surely they could not say that the mob killed these cops at the Capitol. That did not happen. So Biden can't say that. He can insinuate it, though. He can put it into this hypothetical. Imagine, imagine if, instead of the mob just being a horn hat guy dancing around the rotunda and a dad cracking a Coors Light in someone's office, imagine if it had been the terrorists and, and, and it were in Britain or in this place or in that place. Imagine if. Well, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. If I had some ham, I could have a ham sandwich if I had some bread. These hypotheticals don't really say very much about what occurred because they're so outside the realm of reality of what actually happened. But the reason Biden is doing that, the reason he's giving this carefully written speech is to call you a killer. Because he's saying that the people at the Capitol are representative of half the country, who, which supported Donald Trump, which is conservative, which is Republican, and the people at the Capitol killed cops. So therefore, you are a cop killer. You are a murderer. You are a threat to our citadel of democracy, our sacred democracy. And therefore, Biden is justifying retaliation against you. That's all this is about. That's all the January 6th stuff is about. You know this because January 6th not only was not the worst insurrection in the history of America, it wasn't the worst insurrection of the year. The worst insurrection of the year was BLM, which took place not for one afternoon in the Capitol Rotunda where they didn't kill anybody. BLM took place over the course of about eight months in 2020 and killed lots of people, killed dozens of people, didn't just attack one federal building, attacked multiple federal buildings, didn't just ransack the lobby, but actually threw Molotov cocktails at some of those buildings and burned down private businesses and went to, to people's places of work and, and homes and ransacked stores and, and wrought all kinds of havoc. And you never hear the Democrats saying peep about that. Actually, what the Democrats did was bail out the criminals, like, like Kamala Harris, who raised money to bail out, not the peaceful protesters, but to bail out the criminals. So you know it's not about our democracy or political violence or anything like that. It's about calling you a terrorist, calling you, the ordinary American conservative, a grave threat, and then justifying retaliation against you whether that be changing some of the voting laws as they did in 2020, whether that be uh, limiting some of your political rights, whether that be uh, trying to push, I don't know, gun control, whether that be trying to push any other of their longstanding political action items. That is what he is doing there. And you're seeing it happen around the world. Just up in America's hat, uh, Justin Castro Trudeau has uh, decided that he is now going to ban handguns, and frankly, even more than handguns in Canada. 
We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. What Trudeau is revealing here is something that we have long suspected. I call Canada America's hat or George Washington's greatest mistake because Washington didn't go and, and take it. But Canada really is an extension of America. More specifically, the Canadian government is just an extension of the American Democratic Party. So this order in Canada is coming out because of a shooting in Texas. That is the impetus for this law. So a shooting at the southernmost part of, a, of the separate country to the south of Canada is what is causing Trudeau to react, just like a Democratic governor would say, and pass this gun law. But, but notice the bait and switch here. You have this awful shooting in Texas, which is committed using a rifle. And so Trudeau says, we're going to ban handguns. Why would you ban handguns? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. If you're specifically targeting the, the guns that are being used in this crime, then why would you ban handguns? Well, we're also banning magazines for rifles so that you can't have many rounds at all in your rifles, but we're also going to ban handguns. Why? Because this, because while the Canadian left, while Trudeau is using the shooting in Texas as the excuse to pass this law, they've wanted to do this for a very long time. And there's a lot of evidence that this will not be successful in reducing any kinds of murder. And there's actually a lot of evidence that it will be unsuccessful because in the 1990s, there was an elementary school shooting, actually, in the United Kingdom. And the UK decided to ban handguns after that shooting. So this is 1996, 1997. In the six years that followed, not only did murders not decrease in the United Kingdom, they actually increased. They actually almost doubled. So the banning handguns policy did not have the effect that the politicians who sold it to the public told them that it would. Actually, it was the opposite effect. And what you see, perhaps, maybe you see a reduction in gun crime, maybe, but you see an increase in other kinds of crime and you see an increase in murders as well. So now instead of being killed with a gun, you'll be killed with a knife. Does that make you feel better? Does that make you sleep easy at night? I don't think so. All it means is now you can no longer protect yourself, which is an, a natural obligation that you have. And I'm not saying, by the way, that the natural obligation to protect yourself and the right that you have to protect yourself means that the current American gun laws that we have right now are the be-all and end-all for all time in all places. That's not the argument I'm making. If, for instance, I were on a desert island and there were 10 people on this desert island and there were no guns, I do not think that my natural right and duty to protect myself and my family means that I need a gun. I'd probably do just fine with a conch shell and a coconut, and maybe a, a big plank of wood. Because, presumably, that's all the other guys on the island have, so I could protect myself with that. But we do not live on an island with just conch shells and coconuts and, and wood. We live in a country where there are more guns than people. We live in a country with a long history of gun ownership. 
and with guns that you are not going to get rid of. Even if you go door to door to confiscate, I don't think you're going to get rid of them. And we have a second amendment, which protects people's rights to own guns. And that second amendment, by the way, didn't even establish the right to have a gun. It just acknowledged the pre-existing right to have a gun, which we inherited from the British. So in this country, self-defense, your right to protect yourself and your family means gun ownership. That's just what it means in reality, okay? The circumstances of our politics means that the natural right to self-defense looks like something, and in America, it looks like having a gun, even though the left is going to try to take that from you and seriously, seriously damage your ability to protect yourself. But don't worry, we'll just wait on the cops, right? The, co- the left telling you, the cops are racist and evil and terrible, and that's why they need to have all the guns. Does that make sense to you? I don't th- The cops are incompetent and stupid and wicked and, and cowardly and inefficient, and that's why they should be the only people who can protect you. Does that make sense? No. None of the arguments that they, that they are making make any sense. There's a really basic one that makes sense. Protect yourself. You should protect yourself. That, that's a pretty simple argument, isn't it? There is no bottom to the slippery slope that we are on in this country when it comes to crime, when it comes to the justice system, when it comes to especially weird sex stuff. We've, we've been thinking that we're at the bottom of the slippery slope since, what, the 90s? And it just keeps, we just keep on slipping. There's a story now out of a North Carolina public preschool. There's a public school that has preschool as part of it. The preschool teacher was just taught indoctrinate, or was just caught, rather, indoctrinating kids into LGBT, LMNOP ideology. How? How is this even possible to indoctrinate a third, a three-year-old or a four-year-old into LGBT? Well, the teacher was teaching his students colors, colors, and then was caught. I'm sorry, it was a a woman. That makes it slightly less creepy. She was then caught uh, using the LGBT flag to teach the students colors. The cards that were used in this lesson are created by this company, Buy Us Box, which made sets of flashcards showcasing non-binary and transgender animals, gender-neutral nursery rhymes, and a blackness collection. The company, I'm just reading it. This is right from the Daily Mail. The company was created by two women who said they were inspired by the murder of George Floyd. What? That, that checks every wokeness box. The company, because of, because of George Floyd dying while he had a toxic, a lethal dose of fentanyl in his system, resisting arrest. He died. And then that was called a racist murder. Because of that, they were inspired to make gay flashcards to teach three-year-olds about transgenderism in public schools. Does that, does that, do you follow that logic? In a way, I kind of do. The logic is, all of the traditional standards of our society are bad. We need to get rid of all of them. <laughs> that's, that's the logic. In, in Marx's words, it's the ruthless criticism of all that exists. And it's on race, and it's on justice, and it's on drugs, and it's on crime, and it's on sex, and it's on education, and it's on everything. And the left is going to tell you there is no, there is no LGBT indoctrination in preschool. 
Take off your tinfoil hat, you crazy conspiracy theorist. In public preschool? No, no, wacko. Okay, Alex Jones. Uh, no, your taxpayer dollars are not going to indoctrinate three-year-olds into LGBT and transgenderism, and it's good that they are. What was that last part? Uh, no, I said that your taxpayer dollars are not. No, I said after that part. I said, oh, it's good that they are. It's good. <laughs> It's good that we are doing exactly what you're accusing us of doing. I mention it just to remind you this stuff actually is happening. Don't let them gaslight you. And it, it's not going to stop at three. It's not going to stop at three. We used to say it's not going to stop in college. It's not going to stop in high school. It's not going to stop in middle school. It's not going to stop in elementary school. It's not going to stop in preschool. It's going to go, you're going to get this stuff in vitro pretty soon. Okay. You're going to get this stuff for one-year-olds. Babies first monkeypox party or something. And it's going to be, that'll be like a little, a little uh, mobile that they'll have over their crib. And it'll be all sorts of uh, sexual icons and rainbows and all sorts of creepy stuff. That's what you're going to get. Okay. Because, because the left's total revolution on all aspects of society demand it. And they're going to deny it the whole time. And as they're denying it, they're going to tell you that it's good that it's happening. A father has taken to TikTok to ask for your help. It's hard raising a kid today. The economy is not great. Inflation's through the roof. And this dad, is he's suddenly realized it's really hard to pay for his child's transgender surgery. I'm raising money to help fund my son's transition-related costs. I'm sharing this with his permission. Um, basically, we already have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria for him. Um, we have gotten his blood work done and we need to start him on puberty blockers as soon as possible. Now, I personally, I didn't, I transitioned later, so I wasn't familiar with how puberty blockers worked. Um, basically, my insurance doesn't cover this, which is wonderful, right? So this guy, I assume it's a guy. I don't know these days. If he's promoting transgenderism, he might really be a chick who took a bunch of drugs. I don't know. It's really hard to tell. He's kind of just amorphous and he's got weird colored hair and he's got a nose ring and his voice is a little odd. And it, whatever he is or she is, he is, is promoting transgenderism for, her, if, for his kid. See how confusing it is? For his kid. And uh, he wants you to pay for that. How come all the transgender kids seem to come from these weirdo, psycho, pervert parents? Isn't that kind of weird? What are the odds? I don't, I'm, this is not data. I'm just using anecdotes here, but I know, I know lots of people. Look, I come from New York. I lived in California. I come from very liberal backgrounds. I have multiple friends who have struggled with sexual confusion, transgenderism also. And I notice they never seem to come from normal families. They always seem to come from extremely dysfunctional families and from parents with lots of disorders. Isn't that weird? Because we're told that transgenderism is just a totally natural thing. It can happen to anyone. It's biological. It's, it comes from your innermost, truest self. And yet, the normal families never seem to produce. A, I'm not saying never. I'm not saying never, never. But I'm saying it's so exceedingly rare, and it's so increasingly common with dysfunctional, weirdo, pervert dads like this guy, who's trying to mutilate his child's body. How did he get the child? I don't know. I don't know. These days you can get a child all sorts of ways, apparently. 
The only way that's discouraged is the old-fashioned way. But you can, who knows? Who knows what this kind of family situation is? And he's saying, yeah, I really want to put my kid on puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, mutilate my poor little kid's body. Because he, he totally has this condition. It's not just me projecting it onto my kid. Even though kids just totally absorb what, whatever their parents say and do. And that, this is why you've you got to watch your language around kids. Because you know the kids are like sponges and they're absorbing everything. This is why you've got to watch your behavior. Because kids are modeling their behavior after your behavior. So the more dysfunction you get in the family, the more dysfunction you're going to get through society. I saw someone responding to one of these incidents. They said, you know, listen, you can't legislate family, okay? Listen, get your politics out of my family. How dare you? What do you, what does that mean? You you sometimes hear people say you can't legislate morality. I don't know what that means. You, You can't legislate culture. I don't know what that means. You can't legislate family. What does that mean? What do you think laws permitting no-fault divorce are? That's legislating family. That's going in the political system and saying, this is what family is going to look like now. What do you think Obergefell was? The Obergefell decision that, that redefined marriage. Not even that long ago. What was it? About seven years ago? Redefined marriage to include monogamous same-sex unions. What do you think that was? That was legislating family. That was culture being downstream of politics. And, and not even a majority of the people. It wasn't, it wasn't democracy. Whenever gay marriage, quote unquote, was put up for a vote, it was shot down. In California, it was shot down. Prop 8, it was shot down. And then the judges go in and they say, no, we're going we're gonna to change that. We, the, the self-styled aristocracy, not much of an aristocracy if you ask me, we're going to redefine all these basic things. You're, you're seeing this now play out, this religion of leftism, which is especially concerned on the sexual front with LGBT, but you're seeing this religion play out throughout the schools. It's not just the pre-K teacher who got caught using gay flashcards with their three-year-olds. You are now seeing whole schools that are dedicated to LGBTism. And and by the way, you're seeing straight kids move into these schools because sometimes those schools have better academics. Magic City Acceptance Academy is a grade six through 12 public school designed to cater to LGBT students in Alabama. I know, I did a double take when I heard that too. A lot of things that I didn't expect, but this apparently exists in Alabama. And then the craziest part is you've got straight kids moving into that school because the public schools are no good. So they're moving into a school which offers, quote, a brave learning environment and LGBTQ affirming culture for all. Just more evidence that this is a religion. In, in, the, in the same way that when you had failing public schools in the past and even today in other parts of the country, sometimes you would get students enrolling in Catholic schools because the Catholic schools were relatively pretty good. So you get all sorts of students who weren't Catholic necessarily who'd say, yeah, well, my kid's not Catholic, but I'm going to send them to the Catholic school because it's got better academic standards. Well, now as the Catholic schools are under attack, you now have LGBT schools, a school designed for the promotion of LGBT ideology. And you've got the straight kids going because they say, well, look, I'm, my kid might not be LGBT yet, but I, I'm going to send my kid there to that school because it's better than the public schools. And of, of course, it's a religion. I mean, if you, if you say your true self is really this, your soul and your soul is at odds with your body. And so your soul is the soul of a woman, whatever that means, but your body is the body of a man. And so you're really a woman and you're going to get to use the kid's bathroom. 
that is a religious movement. And it's being backed by the state with taxpayer dollars. The Biden administration, we'll get to this tomorrow, the Biden administration has just said that K through 12 schools now have to let let dudes into the girls' bathroom and changing area if they want to get federal funds for food, for lunches and breakfasts and, and meals. If they want those federal funds, sorry, you got to let Husky Hank go and change next to your daughter in the locker room or go use the bathroom. That is a religious view that is being backed by the state. It's very nearly a, a state establishment at the federal level. It's being done with your taxpayer dollars to force that on your kids. And it's creating a very dangerous situation for our culture. And in the case of dudes going to the girls' bathroom, just a physically very dangerous situation. Reminds us of our primary, not our primary, but one of our primary obligations that we have in a society. And it's a duty and it's an obligation and it's a right, regardless of what Joe Biden or any of these other idiots want you to believe. That is the duty and the right to protect yourself and your family and your community. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey there, this is John Bickley, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief and co-host of Morning Wire. On today's episode, new technologies could help prevent future mass shootings, the Southern Baptist Convention releases bombshell abuse report, and hurricane season begins with the first named Pacific Storm. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. Morning Wire.